My name's Lee. I'm an alcoholic. Hello, Lee. Um, first, I'm going to start with a little bit of a history with me. Um, my mother was born and raised in Philadelphia. My father was born and raised in New Jersey, and that's where they met. My father uh, was going to medical school in Philadelphia. My father's a doctor. Both my parents are deceased now, but um, uh, my mother comes from a family of six sisters, and uh, her, his name is Jerry, and her sister Jane went on blind dates with uh, my father and a friend of his who was in the medical school too with him, George. And um, they ended up switching. You know, they, they, they actually, my dad went out with Jane, my, my uncle George went out with, uh, with my mother, and they ended up the other way, and they both got married. So, which was, that's how, uh, my last name is Bowden, that's how the Bowden clan started. I, my older sister Barbara and me were both born in um, Philadelphia. I have um, three other brothers and two sisters. Barbara right now is 68, I'm 67, my sister Bridget is 65, my brother Jamie is 64, my brother Bill is 60, and my brother Chris is 59. But like I said, me and my um, sister were born in um, Philadelphia. I don't remember Philadelphia, but we shortly after that we moved to York, Pennsylvania, where my dad started uh, his practice. He bought a he bought a house, and the, the doctor who had it had a, a, his garage made into an office. So that's where he started his uh, practice. So my brother, my sister Bridget, and my brother Jamie, and my brother Bill were all born in York, and um, when we lived in York, we'd go to Philadelphia for. Um, um, you know, holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and stuff. And when I was four, she was, my sister was, Barbara was five, Bridget was about one. We went up there for uh, Thanksgiving. And um, my grandfather, my mother's father, used to love getting all his grandchildren around, telling them a, big, a story, and kind of walking through a dark hallway or something and scare them. And of course, everybody ran. They ran out of the house into the garage, and I fell. And I started crying, and I was crying my eyes out. So I walk out in the garage, and my grandfather says, hey, uh, he's crying like a devil. So to get me from stop crying, there was a comic strip that he used to read. And he looked at all my cousins. Doesn't he look like Jojo the dog face boy? OK, so I have a nickname, Jojo, when I was four. So no one, no one a lot of people to this day, even back in Wisconsin where I'm from, don't know that my name is Lee Joseph Bowden Jr., that I was named after my father. But that name stuck, Jojo. So just so you know, I'm Lee, but I'm also Jojo. So, <laughs> so and then when I was five, we moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my father, another house where he had the... Uh, Actually, the, his office was right in the middle of the house, and um, he uh, had his practice there. And uh, we lived there till I was eight. And then in uh, 1963, uh, that's when Kennedy was killed. That December, we moved to Wisconsin, and um, uh, I stayed there till 2011. My parents actually moved. Everybody kind of moved out of the area. But we we consider Milwaukee our home. We lived there for. 45 plus years, um, and that's kind of where my drinking started. When I was in fourth grade, 
I had my first beer. And it felt good, you know, one beer for, you know, I think I was about 11 or 10. Um, I, you know, it was, it felt, it tasted good. Alcohol became a part of my life. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I got drunk for the first time. Um, you know, which it happened. I got drunk. Somebody, my parents were gone for the day. I was taking sips with friends out of the liquor cabinet. And um, I got drunk. Someone put me to sleep. Uh, you know, I woke up when my parents got home. And, of course, you know, I wasn't feeling good. But I had to pretend like I was feeling good. So this is kind of where my drinking career started. I, um, fourth grade, sixth grade, you know, you know, here and there. I, I uh, in fifth grade, I got a paper route. So it was like a morning route. So it was great because I'd get up in the morning and do it. And then as I got older in the eighth grade, I would start taking empty jars and put liquor in it. So when the weekends came, I could go out with my friends and drink, you know, and, and, it, and it just, you know, it wasn't like I did it every day, you know, I, I, you know, but it happened. It was part of everything that I did. A lot of friends started experimenting with the alcohol and stuff. And in eighth grade, is the first time I tried marijuana, pot, whatever you want to call it. I didn't get stoned, but I, I did try it, you know. So my older sister at that time was in eighth grade, uh, she was going through a period in her life where drugs and alcohol were a big part of it. She ended up running away from home, and it was just, it caused a lot of grief in our family. As a matter of fact, I was sent to boarding school because of it, but that's at least what I thought. It ended up that we were going to move down to the city where the boarding school was. And um, not saying that my sister ended up that way, but I'll, that, I'll talk about that as time comes on. Um, but I went to boarding school, and um, my father got bought a practice down there. It was in Sturdivant, outside uh, Racine, Wisconsin. And um, so I, I thought, you know what? Here, I'm mad. I said, why are you sending me to boarding school, you know? And so I got to go away to school, come home on weekends. So to get back at my parents, I figured, well, you know what? I'm going to study hard and get good grades. And I did for th three years, freshman, sophomore, Junior year, I, I got on the honor roll, did real well. You know, I'd come home on weekends and party with my friends, drink. And then the drugs even got more and more. You started, you know, because I was, you know, 60s, 70s, you, you, that's when the drugs were big. You know, I mean, I did the acid, the, um, you name it, I did it. I experimented with it, you know, and people, we started getting our driver's license, driving around, um, and then... Um, you know, it just was part of what I did as I was growing up. Um, you know, my parents drank. They had their parties and stuff. Um, but, you know, that's just how it was. I, um, uh, when I was also in high school, there was a guy down the street to talk about drug use. I, I, uh, my father was, a, like I said, a doctor. As I got a little older, freshman or sophomore, junior year, he got me a job working at the hospital in the x-ray department. And um, so working in the x-ray department, you, you know, you saw a lot of stuff. I learned a lot of things. But you could get these little needles with real little needles on it. And this guy down the street would get two-and-alls and second-alls. And he'd like to shoot them up. But I never shot them up. But he, 
exchange for the needles, we'd get the two-and-alls and second-alls, and it was great because you could take a couple of those, a couple of beers, and you didn't feel any pain. You know, I mean, it was, it was good. A lot of, you know, my father being a doctor, there was sometimes stuff around the house that I knew I could abuse. Like he would get little sample bottles of cough medicine with codeine in them. And of course, I knew what they were, so I could, he would just throw them somewhere in a cabinet and I could take them. He wouldn't know they were gone and, uh, and, and, and abuse those and drink and, um, uh, so, like, going to boarding school, I'd come on weekends and do my party. You know, I mean, like I said, marijuana became a big part of it. Um, and drinking was always there. I, I had no problem with the drinking, you know, because you could get it. Uh, and then as I got older and got a license, my father realized that uh, my mother didn't drive. She didn't have a license. He had this big green station wagon, Chrysler station wagon. And uh, so he bought a little car. So on weekends, I'd come home, I'd take my mother to the grocery show stuff, and then, it, it, as, you know, he'd say, okay, you can use the, the station wagon, but you got to be back at a certain time. The older I got, the, the longer I could stay out at night. Of course, I, I'd, I'd come home from, um, for the weekend. My dad, being a doctor, he got, a, like, a kid's phone number, and he had his own phone number because he didn't want to tie it up. So I'd get these phone calls as soon as I got in the door. Before I even ate dinner, hey, when are you picking me up? When are you picking me up? And then, you know, there's, you know, because I had the, the big car. I could fit like 10, 11 people in it. And, uh, and it was great. I mean, we'd, you know, I'd go pick everybody up. And uh, then we'd get someone to go somewhere and run into a liquor store and get beer and, and whatever so we could party. Someone had some pot, we'd smoke it, you know. And, and of course, being the driver, any, any of the, Girls that we picked up always sat in the front seat. Okay, they always sat in the front seat. So, um, but that was just part of the whole thing. I, you know, driving the green, they call it, the, every, all my friends call it the green bomb. Driving around and partying, you know, on weekends. Um, you know, it, time went on. I remember one time driving home, I got, I got pulled over like two blocks from my house. And the cops said, well, you went over a line. So he pulls me over, and I show him my license. He says, you only live around the block. Now, this is back in, you know, you know, in the day when drink driving was not a big thing. So he put me in his car and drove me to my house, woke my dad up and said, I'm, I'm giving him a parking ticket, okay, because he only lives two blocks away. Of course, I lost the car for a month. But by then, I had other friends that had licenses, and we still kind of enjoyed our meal and stuff um, so like I said the partying it went on on and off uh, you know summers came we I partied you know but it wasn't an, it wasn't an everyday thing you know but this was kind of like the beginning of, of I should say no end but but um, I graduated from high school and I went to college for a semester but college was just I don't even remember college I mean, I, I went there and partied for a semester, you know. But this is when the blackout, the blackout started. There's times when I don't remember things and, and uh, you know, partying and stuff. Uh, and, I, you know, my father was one of these guys, you know, even though he was a doctor, he says, as long as you get your high school diploma, I don't care what you do afterwards. You don't have to go to college. You can go out in the world and get a job. But 
he wanted all of us in our family to make sure we had a high school diploma. So I came back from college, started a part-time job as a short order cook in a, a bar, and I would in the morning get up, stock the beer and stuff. Eventually, uh, got to the point where you know I got old enough. The guy I wanted the place said, "I'm going to get someone else to do this. You can become a bartender." So, you know, what, whatever, you know, I'll be a bartender. It was, you know, so I'm here. I'm like 21 at the time. Great thing to do at 21 years old. You, you know, everybody thought, okay, but just remember then the drink and driving wasn't the big as it is now. So, um, I, I finally got a car. Got a little old beater car. It was an old, uh, those old. Um, BWs, you know, the, the Volkswagens, where, where back then they didn't have heaters. The engine heated up. So living in Wisconsin, you'd, if it was cold out, you'd have to scrape the insides of the windows to see. So, but I remember getting drunk and getting in an accident with that. But like I said, drinking and driving wasn't then. Uh, we have a good friend of our family's who was an attorney, lived next door. He got me off on uh, uh, intent of driving, you know, but... You know, time went on. I, uh, I believe it or not, I go bartending. I went to um, I went to a technical Milwaukee area technicals college, and this is going to sound funny, but I went to cosmetology school, and I ended up becoming a hairdresser, and I did that for a while, but just wasn't what I wanted to do, and it was because well, it was because I found out that the partying and drinking was more important to me. Okay, it was just, it was more important to me. So I ended up uh, going back to where I was working part-time, and then he got, the guy who I worked for had a guy down the street who just opened up a bar, and I went down and worked. Uh, it was 1978, I started working at this place called Sazis. Uh, um, and um, that's, you know, when you're drinking, what other thing to do than be a bartender? You know, we, we weren't supposed to get drunk behind the bar, but there was times... We were supposed to. Now that's totally different. They're not, you know, they have to go to school or take classes to learn about all this stuff. It's totally different now. But I worked for him, and, you know, of course, the drugs started coming in. You know, then the, the big cocaine era came in. And the cocaine was great, being a bartender, because, hey, you could get off work at 2 o'clock. Someone would call you up, hey, we're having an after-hours party. Bring a couple of cases of beer, and the cocaine came out. So... You know, I, I did the gamut with that. I did, you know, the cocaine and everything. And, and um, you know, and my brothers and sisters, they were, they, a, lot of, a couple of them went to college and graduated. Some of them didn't. My older sister, actually, she ended up going to nursing school and then going to graduate school and became a nurse practitioner. And she's retired now. For her last 10 years before she retired, she worked for the State Department and worked all over the world in embassies. So she really kind of got her shit together. So, and um, she's the only one in our family that really got into the medical field. But, you know, I worked for this guy, Sass, for 10 years, and a very good friend of mine that I grew up with, I knew since fourth grade, opened up a bar, and a little tiny bar, not a big place. For years, he was trying to get me to come and work for him. And finally, he offered me the right money. So I went up and started working for him, of course, you know, the drinking's still going on and partying and stuff. Um, and um, when I turned 30, my uh, older sister, 
and I didn't know anything about this because it just was weird how it happened. Um, they did an intervention on me. So this is like the first thing I ever heard about recovery, about anything involving trying to get off alcohol or drugs or anything. So it was real weird how this happened because I go in and sit down, my whole family's there. A couple brothers weren't there because they were away from school. And when my friend who owned the bar I worked with walked in, I knew right away this was about me. I knew right away. I just said, well, let's do the schmiel. So they did their thing, go around and talk, talk about me. And then I said, okay, I'll talk to a doctor and see what's going on with me. So when I was 30, I went into outpatient treatment. And it was a treatment where I went five, four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Um, I think it was like started at like 11 and went till like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And the more you got into the program and participated, the less days you had to go. And then during this six months, they would just automatically do a urine test. Okay, and if you came back... Uh, dirty, you got kicked out of the program. And I saw that happen in the six months over there. People came back dirty. And, um, but I, um, I, I got through it, you know. And, but they didn't really, I don't know, for some reason, the AA, the meetings didn't come up. But for uh, two years, I stayed sober. Um, and uh, because of that, I was tending bar, and it just got really bad tending bar, trying to be a bartender. So I ended up finding a uh, a different job. A friend of mine owned a, a guy I knew that I partied with had a a business that he took over from his father, who his father had before. It was a small trade bindery where they would put stuff together, like magazines or or uh, and then people would bring the stuff there. It was already printed, but they would put it together and ship it out. And and I and I did that, and I was doing good at it, you know, and I was not drinking, I was staying sober, but I wasn't involved in AA. So time went on for about a year, year and a half, I was doing it, and then I, the guy I used to work for, State Fair, Wisconsin State Fairs in, in outside Milwaukee and West Dallas, he opened up a concession stand selling his food and stuff, and I got involved in pouring beers for him, okay? So, of course, towards the last day of the fair, last day of the fair, I remember, I drank. I got drunk and came home, you know, and I woke up and I knew this, I can't do this. So the guy I'm working for at the trade binary, I sit down with him, I tell him what happened. He looks into his insurance, because I had insurance to him, and they covered me to go to a, what they called then a relapse prevention program. So I went to this thing in the afternoons twice a week. And this is when I started learning about AA. I got uh, started going to meetings and, you know, so two years I stayed sober. I drank, went back, and for another mm, two years I uh, stayed sober, going to meetings. And then I got a, I, a friend of my father's just talked to me, told me about this a big printing company called Quad Graphics Incorporated. And he had a friend whose daughter worked there, and I got a, got a resume to him. And I ended up getting a job when I was like 34 years there. And I went, it was like north of Milwaukee, like 35 minutes. So I went and took the job, and it was a night job, and they had a different type of schedule. You worked 36 hours, three 12-hour shifts, 
and you, that was it. You were done. But there was times where you had to work. And every other week you worked the next day, so you got 12 hours overtime. So, of course, I'm up there going to this, and bold and hold, I quit going to meetings, okay? Quit going to meetings, and then, you know, but I'm staying sober. I haven't, I'm not drinking, so one day one of the guys that lives outside where he lived in Hartford says, why don't you come up? We'll go out and party. And he had no idea that I wasn't drinking. So I go up there, and we sit down, and we start drinking beers and stuff. And, of course, I got drunk, and... He knew it, so he said, stay at my house, and I did, but well, me thinking, you know, I can defeat the world, I got up, you know, like 4 o'clock in the morning and said, I'm going to go home. Going home, I got a drunk driving, okay, so this is Dodge County, you know, so it happened, so first defense, state of Wisconsin, back then it was a little different. Um, but, you know, I did the thing. I did. They, I, got, I think I got like 10 days, you know, work release, did that, you know. Lost my license for six months, ended up getting it back. Uh, got back involved. They had a, Quad Graphics had a program where they, where they had a, uh, a, a, a drug and alcohol counselor. And you had to do this. And it was certified by the state of Wisconsin. So I did that to do that and then started doing meetings again. And I stayed sober probably for another three years, but again, quit going to meetings, started drinking, you know, and of course I got another drunk driving. So, you know, but then went through the thing again, started going to meetings again, you know, like Paul said when he introduced me, my life in AA was a big, 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 big roller coaster, just for a long time. So... And stayed sober for a while, you know, and then I got drunk, got a third drunk driving. So here I have three drunk drivings within whatever, what, six years, six years, seven years. Finally, I said, enough is enough. I really got to get down on this. And I, and I stayed sober. From the time I was 45 to the time I was 50, I stayed sober. I got involved in AA, chaired meetings, did it, uh, you know, but it was kind of like half-assed. I still, I still knew there was still this thing in my head that you know, I can drink like a normal person. You know, there's still this thing in my head. You know, because I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I don't care how messed up I got or how many blackouts I had. I enjoyed drinking. I really enjoyed doing it. Okay. So turned fifty. <laughs> friend of mine said, hey, you're 50. You can go out and have a couple of drinks. So, of course, you go out and have a couple of drinks. Next thing you know, I'm getting my fourth drunk driving. So, again, I tried doing the AA thing, and I did. I did. I kept sober for a while, and then living in Milwaukee, I eventually moved up to Hartford, where this, where this um, printing company was. Moved a little bit further north to Horicon. Um, but you know, I'm getting further away from family and stuff, so they don't know what I'm doing. You know, you know, they have no idea. Of course, I quit AA and started drinking again, and next thing you know, I'm getting my fifth drunk driving. And I did. I got a fifth drunk driving. And the fifth one was weird because I wasn't even driving, okay? I was parked in my car drunk, asleep, okay? And by then, they had changed the law. There was a time that 
it, you could, if you took your keys out of your ignition and put them down, and you they came up and you were sleeping, they couldn't arrest you because you weren't you weren't legally the, the keys were ignition. But then they changed the law that the intent to drive. If they were outside of the car, they could not arrest me. Well, when you get five drunk drivers in the state of Wisconsin, you're convicted as a felon. So I got convicted as a felon. Okay, and of course. I, I quit drinking for a while and was living in Horicon and and then I my parents got really old uh, 80s and they couldn't they were living in in Panama City Beach Florida and my brother old, youngest brother was living here and my sister was living here too um, and they got them to move out here because they weren't going to go back to Wisconsin It'd be way too cold for them. I got an apartment for him. My brother became, my sister became power of attorney. My brother took care of the health thing, all their health stuff. And so I quit my job and moved out here in 2011. And I, at the time, I wasn't drinking, okay? But when I got out there, well, I should say, shouldn't say I was drinking. I got out there. My bro, younger brother got involved in this program. He went to treatment, and he had been sober for a while, so... Who, I'm not fooling him. He knew. He knew. He knew. He knew the. He knew the game. So I moved in and helped take care of them. And my father finally realized that he had long-term disability insurance. He told my brother, "We got to find a place." You know. So you know, I, I'm on and off drinking, on and off drinking, and you know, my sister's getting pissed at me. He's getting. My brother's getting mad at me. And when they found the place, I moved in with my brother for about six months, and then I. You know, I had to get out of there because it just—he knew, he knew what was going on. And then um, I had some odd jobs out here. I worked for Safeway. I did a temporary job for Amazon, and then um, I, 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 I moved into a house. And I and I would drink, I had quit drinking again for a year. I moved into a house where the guy was sober, and I was doing real good. I had a job working for a, a, a glass company, and. Uh, no, one thing led to another. Um, I went to uh, back to the service that got me the first time job at Amazon, and they got me another job uh, out here in Goodyear. Um, and I ended up uh, uh, working for them, you know, getting hired on. Um, and of course, the whole schmeal, you know, in and out of AA, drinking, not drinking, you know, and you know, just you know, I guess. I guess there's rocks in my head. You know, I, I couldn't get it. Just couldn't get it. Um, so I, um, I, my mother died, and then a year later, my father died, and, and I, you know, and I stayed there in Alatuki. They, that's where my brother and sister lived, and would drive out to Goodyear because they were still. I wanted to help take care of them, and I helped take care of my father on weekends because I didn't work weekends at the time. And then he passed away, and. That's when I, my brother and sister said, you know what, why don't you move closer to work now, that you don't have to be, and I did. I moved out to Waddell, outside of Surprise, lived in a house there for two years, and you know, a woman kicked me out because I was drinking, you know, I started drinking again. And then I moved to Buckeye, to uh, Dove Cove, and lived there for a while, and then, um, then I kind of started getting involved in this program. I live in there in Dove Cove, um, Believe it or not, I got in a car accident because I was drinking and driving. wasn't a bad one, but you know this is the sixth one. You know, so from 
so that was 2020, January 2020. So from 2007, I got the last one, convicted last one, 2007 in Milwaukee. I didn't have any, any kind of drunk drivings. And I said, you know, I, I finally looked at myself and I said, what am I doing? You know, this, I, I'm looking back at what happened to me. I said, I need to quit doing this. So I started getting involved in meetings at Buckeye. Even then, there was a couple times I'd, I would drink and I'd go to a meeting, give all my chips back and say, hey, I drank again. But finally something clicked and I was going to meetings Friday night, su Sunday night, and, and I don't know what happened. Maybe it was my higher power saying, you know what, this is what you really need, you know. So as of May 14th, last May 14th, I had two years, okay, and, and I really got involved in this program. I, I picked up a big book, I got a sponsor. I, I started thinking, you know, I need to do this, you know, my brother, Younger brother, I have a brother, Jamie, who's now got seven years of sobriety, you know, and they would get on the phone with me. My brother, Jamie, would say, this is the real deal, and you got to do it, and you got to want to do it, because if you don't want to do it, it's not going to work. You can't do it for anybody else. You got to want to do it. So it just it clicked. I said, you know what? I, there's things I got to do. I got to put a higher power back into my life, and today I do that. Um, I get up every day and I read the little 24-hour black book. I read the daily reflections. And this is how I keep my conscience, my contact with God, you know. And I say, help me get me through the day, you know. At the end of the day, I say, thank you. Because I have to do this program one day at a time because otherwise it's not going to work for me, you know. I mean, I can't think about yesterday. I can't think about tomorrow. i got to do this sometimes a moment at a time. And doing all this stuff and getting involved, reading the big book, you know, and, and getting involved and doing the steps has really made me believe that this is a miracle. If you do this, if you do this program, it's a miracle, you know. I mean, I'm basically lucky to be alive. I'm lucky to be standing right here right now. That's the way I look at it. Um, my family appreciates me a lot, lot more. They understand what I'm doing. They understand what I went through. And, you know, and they love it. They love it, that fact that I'm doing this. They even can tell when I talk to them on the phone or I'm a totally different person because I'm involved in something I know is going to save my life. And I got to do it every day, day at a time. And, and, and that's why I'm here speaking to you people today. Um, this is... This has been really good. It's been a good ride for me. This program helps me deal with everyday life. It helps me deal with problems at work. You know, I, I you know, I don't get stressed out as much. I, you know, sometimes I'll see something or something happens and I go, well, it is what it is because I don't have no any control over it unless, you know, if I can, I will change it. But if I can't, you know, it's in the serenity prayer. But, you know, that's where I am today. And, you know, it's it's like, I believe that it's one day at a time for me. You know, I go to meetings. I pick up the big book. Uh, you know, I got a sponsor. I have to call him. I haven't called him in a while. And service work. I, I chair a Friday night meeting. It's called the 508 Group in Buckeye. It meets the same place the Sunday night meeting meets. And at 6.30, there's a meeting there on um, uh, Monday nights. And I, and I enjoy doing it. As a matter of fact, last uh, May... Um, 
May 14th, when I had two years, it was, uh, it was a year that I serviced. And I said, no, I'll do it again. I'll do it for another year. So, you know, I, I, this is me again. I try to get to three meetings a week. I really do. I call both my brothers once a week. They're involved in this program. We talk. We have good conversations. Um, my oldest, my youngest brother that lived here, he lived here for 25 years. May, he moved to Florida. They, his wife retired. Um, he's 59. He, she retired January 65. They have a place down in Hutchinson Island, Florida. They've had it for five years. It's a condo, and this is what they want, she wanted to do to retire. Now my sister that moved here uh, is moving there. She's going to sell her condo and live down there, so I'm going to be the only voting in uh, Arizona. Look out. <laughs> so, so, I mean, um, and they, they're looking at me and says, why don't you come down? And I, I work for Quad Graphics. I've been there for, it was eight years in July I've worked for them. I worked for uh, one in Goodyear, and now I work at a smaller place where they they ink, do T-shirts. It's a lot smaller. It's not as as much physical work, and I really like it. I like it a lot. Um, and um, I found out that there's a same kind of place in in uh, Florida, in uh, Davenport, Florida, which is outside Kesemi, and. They said, if you want to transfer there, we'll pay for it. So, so I know it's an hour, it's an hour and a half from where my brother lives. You know, so I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it's something that is in my mind. You know, and that's another thing about this program. It it, it keeps me thinking straight, getting the stinking thinking out of me. You know, I, and I I'm more relaxed with myself. I'm more at hand. You know, I, I just it's. It's, it's like I said, this is a miracle, and, and it, it does happen, and I see it happen. And, you know, you see people that come and go and come and go, and I was a come and go, come and go, like I said, a roller coaster. And, and I believe now this is something that I have to do till I die. I want, I want to go to my grave um, sober, you know. You know, and, you know, I'm glad that I'm doing this because I, I, I've got a car, I've got a roof over my um, head. My good friend Bob has helped me out by, by doing that because I, I rent a room from him. Um, you know, I got, I got a job, I put food on my table, you know. I don't need, you know, I don't need a million dollars, you know, because when I die, I can't take it with me. So, but that that's... That's me in a nutshell. So I got one thing I want to tell you, and then I'll wrap it up. Just remember, yesterday is gone. Forget it. Tomorrow never comes. Don't worry. Today is here. Get busy. My name's Lee. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you for letting me share your story.